So with these training fuels, you can get fires that have the same peak heat release rate as a individual furniture item, but there are still differences. And one of those important differences is when you go to a fire in a residential house, how often is it that you see one sofa, one upholstered chair in the living room? Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show that gives you all the firefighting information you need in about 20 minutes. Let's get started. When you set up your burn building, your burn room, or your burn trailer for training, what do you use for fuel? In my experience, sometimes it's just a few old wooden pallets or some leftover 2x4s. And sure, that may smoke in flames, but how realistic are they? You know modern furniture burns faster and hotter than the older stuff, and that's because it's not made out of wood in the first place. Since structure fires are becoming less common, it's important that the training simulations be as realistic as possible. That's where our friends at Underwriters Laboratory come in. They conducted tests to see how typical training fires compare with real-world room and contents fires. My guest today is Jack Regan. He was involved with some of those tests. He's a ULFSRI research engineer. That's the job he's had since 2017. He's also a volunteer firefighter EMT with the College Park, Maryland Volunteer Fire Department. At the UL, he's worked on projects that examine occupant tenability and firefighter training. And Jack Regan joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thanks for having me. So a lot of times burn rooms just have a pile of wooden pallets and scrap lumber as fuel. That meets the NFPA standard, but how useful is that for real training? I think the answer, as we're seeing, is that it can depend. UL FSRI has done a project starting in 2014, working off of a DHS assistance to firefighters grant, looking at both, looking at different parts of the training fires equation. So we looked at how different fuels in different types of burn buildings, how they create different types of fires, essentially. This particular part of our report was focused on the fuels. So we had a technical panel of fire service professionals, guys who have done a lot of training fires over their career. And what we wanted was for them to choose fuel packages that were representative of the type that they used in live fire training throughout their career. So we wanted to get some measurements to kind of quantify the fire behavior that those fuels might produce. Then the, on the flip side of that is the how do these fuels compare to furnishings. And UL evaluated a bunch of other NFPA-compliant fuel packages, which are, I gather, what you're saying they suggested. What were some of those? How did they, how, how were they set up? We looked at, kind of started with pallets and straw or pallets and excelsior. Right, which is very common. It is. And, and that was kind of what we were going for. We want to start basic and then kind of get into some more complicated or more unique orientations that we found either through fire service trade magazines like Firehouse or Fire Engineering or through the personal experience of our technical panel. So we kind of started small. We started by just burning a bale of straw, burning two bales of straw, 
burning a bale of Excelsior and burning two bales of Excelsior just to see what those kind of fine fuels that we kind of use as kindling in live fire training, what kind of fires they produce. And generally what we saw with those, as we would expect, is they burn out pretty quickly to kind of a peak and then they die down. Then we looked at different combination of those fine fuels with pallets. So we looked at three pallets, we looked at four pallets, five pallets, six pallets, and seven pallets. And one thing that we saw was that it's not just the amount of pallets or the amount of fuel that's important, but it's also that the orientation that that fuel is in. So we looked at those pallets stacked uh, vertically, one against each other, horizontally, one on top of the other, and then in um, configurations like a uh, triangle or TP, depending on what you call it, or like I said, some more unique orientations, such as like pallets stacked to the ceiling, boxed in triangle with two pallets on the front, one across the top, just to see how, if any, variation there was. Now, there aren't very many homes that are going to have a rooming contents fire that consists of pallets and straw. So what did you find that these these configurations simulated in terms of what we can encounter in real life? So what we saw was that the, the quantity that we were really talking about, well, there's two. There's the um, heat release rate, which is a quantity that um, describes the amount of heat that's released each second. And that kind of describes the size of the fire. So fires with higher heat release rates, you would expect when they're put into a compartment to see higher temperatures, more dark smoke, and they're gonna require more ventilation. So the heat release rate of those individual training fuel packages, when you're talking the three pallet to four pallet in a bale of straw range, those are equivalent to a small upholstered chair when we're comparing them to furniture. Now, as you add more pallets, you get into the six and the seven pallet range. If you add a sheet of OSB or two sheets of OSB, a sheet of medium density fiber board or two sheets, then you're starting to get more into the territory of a upholstered sofa or a love seat, something along those lines. So with these training fuels, you can get fires that have the same peak heat release rate as a individual furniture item, but there are still differences. And one of those important differences is when you go to a uh, fire in a residential house, how often is it that you see one sofa, one upholstered chair in the living room? Normally you're gonna see multiple pieces of furniture, carpet, carpet padding, and all the kind of odds and ends that are characteristic of a house that people live in. So there's that kind of difference when you take it from the lab setting where we were working to a practical setting. Now also, like I said, we were looking at key release rate that heat release rate doesn't necessarily tell the entire story. Because even though a four pallets in a bale of straw might have a similar heat release rate to an upholstered chair, those fires may still not necessarily look the same. And that's because the fuels aren't the same. So you're saying that they may not visually look the same? The firefighter wouldn't see the same thing? Is that what you mean? That's correct. Especially once you put one of those fuels in a compartment, a, uh, a sofa is going to have a much higher soot yield. So the smoke that it produces is going to be much more optically dense. It's going to be harder to see through. It's going to be black and sooty, whereas the pallets are going to burn slightly more clean. And this is kind of consistent with what fire instructors have been talking about for years, where the smoke that you create or the smoke that you see on the real fire ground isn't going to be the same as the smoke that you see on the training ground. So that's just a, a difference between the fuels that kind of goes back to their their nature. And that it's important to understand that difference and kind of place it into context when you're working with students to, to understand the difference between the two types of fuels. 
How do you place it into context? I mean, do you just say this wouldn't look the same in real life or is there something else that you can do? I think that's one of the important differences is just, so when you kind of look into 1403, one of the requirements prior to live fire training is to have a discussion about fire behavior. So that is a good topic of discussion for that, for that fire behavior discussion. So that can either just be a back and forth followed by going to the burn can or the burn building and maybe lighting a fire for demonstration purposes and telling the students to focus on the smoke, or it could be coupled with, you know, you go on YouTube, there's a lot of video of fires on the internet and certainly a lot of fires with that thick black smoke that's characteristic of those synthetic fuels that we talk about. So just kind of understanding, ideally before you even go into the training evolution, that there is a difference between um, these types of fuels and what you see on the fire ground might be different than what you're seeing on the training ground. So do you think it's possible to come up with a reasonably realistic way to simulate a room in contents fire? Would you have to have too many pallets and bales to simulate the furniture that would be in a room like that? Or do you think it's possible to do it? I think part of it depends on what you're going, what you mean in terms of realistic. You could certainly create a fire with a large number of pallets and probably a large amount of straw that would produce fire dynamics, fire behavior similar to a, a living room full of fire. But that may, may not necessarily satisfy the learning objectives that you're trying to, to get after. And now the other part that this, the other part of this equation that this project didn't necessarily look at, but other sets of experiments that UL has done, has looked a little bit at, is the type of building that you're using for the training. If you look at your typical concrete training building, particularly older ones that are more leaky versus a metal seat container that are becoming more and more popular at different training academies versus acquired structures that fire departments typically get, you're dealing with very different construction types, leakage characteristics, and wall materials, which have different thermal properties. If you have the exact same fuel package in each of those three different buildings, you may end up with three very different fires. So something that's important to consider for instructors is it's not just about what your fuel package is doing, but what your building is doing to your fuel package. And one example that I would give is a, concrete, a large concrete burn building, a two-story concrete burn building with scupper holes for water runoff with leakage around the windows. You're gonna have number one, a lot more air leaking into that building than your typical residential structure. There's also a much larger volume for the smoke that that fuel package creates to fill. So you may be dealing with a situation where you don't get enough smoke bank down to really cause any difference in visibility. And you may have a fire that's, that does not become ventilation limited because the, of the amount of air that's just leaking into the building because of those construction features. It seems that in order to simulate a real-world condition, you have to give careful consideration to what you're using as your fuel and how it's configured, not just throwing a pile of wooden pellets into a, into a room and lighting it. That's absolutely correct. And it, keeping in mind, too, that it's not just the, like, you might make the perfect orientation of pallets at the beginning of a, at the beginning of an evolution, but that as it starts to burn, that orientation may change. And when that orientation changes, it might give you some different fire behavior.
Now, did you get any feedback from the fire officials that you worked with about what they thought of the results? We've gotten limited feedback so far in terms of how some of this training um, is being applied. I know I've talked to a couple people that I know more personally about how they want to take some of these ideas and incorporate it into their kind of policies and procedures in order to improve their recruit school training experience. But I think it's also important to realize that there's more research to be done here in this field. Most of the experiments that we did that our firehouse article focused on we're in a free burn configuration. So it's basically we set this fuel up in the middle of a large lab. What we'd like to do in the future is to take those same fuel packages and look at how they behave in a variety of different compartments, kind of touching on what we were just talking about a couple minutes ago. Now, another aspect of this is the, the chemical and exposure focus of these fuel packages. Cancer in the fire service has become a huge um, hot topic. And UL and the Illinois Fire Service Institute, along with another, excuse me, UL and the Illinois Fire Service Institute, among other um, stakeholders, have been working on research that kind of looks more at this cardiovascular and carcinogenic side of both real-world firefighting and training fires. And we have a project that's kind of in the pipeline that's getting more at looking at different wood-based training fuels that are compliant with NFPA 1403, and what are some of the chemical risks that are associated with them? Well, yeah, I mean, if you're using dimensional lumber or scraps, you're burning, you're not really just burning wood like you would if you were burning tree branches. Absolutely. And you also get into the issue of with pallets of where the pallets came from, what kind of things were stored on them, the use of engineered wood materials like oriented strand board or medium density fiber board. A lot of those wood-based materials have glues and resins in them that have a number of harmful chemicals. So we want to look at how the risks of using those chemicals compares to the value that they might provide in terms of creating a better fire training experience. And that research has yet to be conducted, or have you guys started on that? Some of that research has been um, conducted, and there's a number of journal articles that have been published looking at it. To find those, they're all on our website, ulfirefightersafety.org. But there also is additional research that's looking more at the uh, micro scale. The previous research has been done kind of on the full scale using human subjects, volunteer or firefighters who volunteered um, to participate in our research, both as instructors that are building the fires and students that are participating in the evolutions. Interesting stuff. Glad the UL's working on that. Jack Regan, thanks for talking with me today on Code 3. Thank you very much for having me, Scott. I appreciate the opportunity. And we put some more information about the UL tests and their results on our website at code3podcast.com slash fuels. Check it out. Hey, you want to do me a favor? The best way to support this show is to tell other people about it. So if you know anyone who's interested in this topic, or should be, let them know where they can hear about it. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. I'd love to hear what you think of the show. Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me then. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, 
Stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.